0: With AWB Contract Templates.
1: Thank you for listening to the Font Your Fire podcast. If you are anything like the Font Your Fire team and I, you are all about creating and consuming intentional content. I mean, content that has the power to change the way that you view yourself or change your industry altogether. Well, we want to be intentional about the content we're creating here at Flaunt Your Fire and on the show. So I'm going to encourage you to leave us a rating and written review. And in that review, let us know what you want to hear more of here on the podcast. We take your reviews into consideration with every episode being created don't know how to do that, I'm going to encourage you to head on over to flauntyourfire.com slash rate. Again, that's flauntyourfire.com slash rate. And there you will find pictures and written instructions that give you the technical how to leave us a rating and review no matter what podcast app you're listening from. All right, you know what time it is. It is time to get this show on the road. template, own your values and amplify your influence. This is the Flaunt Your Fire podcast where we defy still marketing advice and own our power. I'm your host and CEO of Flaunt Your Fire, India Jackson. And today I am joined by a special guest and we're going to be talking about sustainability. Sustainability is really close to my heart. Um, If you haven't been listening to some of the other interviews I've been doing, on other people's podcasts as a guest, as well as pause in the Play, you may not know this about me, but one of the things that is important to my values as an individual is really approaching life from the perspective of how can I make sure that I am not contributing to trash. And that's super important to me. And it's something that we've begun to even integrate into Faunt Your Fire and what work we will take on and what work we won't take on because we have that value. Because as you know, we believe that value should be anchored in decisions, of wills and won'ts and actions, and not just fluffy words. And so with that eco-friendly thing being close to my heart, Um, I thought it was important to bring that conversation here, and it's also a conversation that we're deep diving into in our online community. Pause on the play if you'd like to join us. Because I think that sustainability has so many different pieces to it. Everything from environmental consciousness, everything from making sure that what you're doing is sustainable long-term instead of like trying to do all the things and then burning out really quickly. There are so many layers to being sustainable and today I really want to focus in on a particular area that I know that my guests will be able to dive into and that is looking at the topic of greenwashing. What is it? How do you spot it? You know, um, what can you invest in or look for instead of things that are being greenwashed? and really like diving into what it means to be environmentally conscious and eco-friendly. So today... <laughs> To not keep you like at the edge of your seat, um, I'll share with you about our guest. Her name is Shannon Kenny, and she is a sustainable business consultant who helps eco-conscious businesses become more sustainable. With Without sacrificing profit, and that is so important, right? Because when we think about being eco-conscious, one of the biggest stereotypes that I see out there in the marketing of that is that it gets this idea of being crunchy and granola, and it's going to like cost you all this extra money to do it. And she's helping business owners do it without that sacrifice. Growing up on the Caribbean island of Trinidad instilled a deep sense of environmental responsibility within her, and in 2017, she turned that conviction into her career with the launch of Mama Eco, a business dedicated to helping eco-conscious people make better decisions for the environment. Shannon has spoken at sustainable events, as well as been on panels with thought leaders in the environmental world. And she's been featured in several publications as well, including USA Today, Market Watch, Mind Body Green. I love Mind Body Green. And Grateful. I am so excited to have her here today. And without further ado, welcome to the show, Shannon. Thank you so
2: much for having me. I'm super pumped to be here.
1: Thank you, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's just been like really exciting to get to know you, to see some of the things that you're doing. And I know that like you can contribute so much to this conversation today. So I'm just really excited to start out with, you know, hearing from you a little bit more about how did you even like (laughs) end up in this place where you're teaching people how to make their businesses more sustainable?
2: Yeah, you know, I've often been asked, like, was there like some, you know, awakening moment in your life? And I kind of feel like it was a series of little awakenings throughout. So, you know, when I was a kid, my dad was always pretty eco conscious. And it was never something that he like told us, like, this is what we have to do, we have to, you know, save, you know, the turtles, or we have to, you know, pick up the trash or whatever, but he just kind of led by example. And from that, my siblings and I, we just absorbed that that's what you do. If you see trash, you know, on the ground, you pick it up, you know, Um, and so that kind of was with me throughout my childhood. And then when I moved to the States, um, I had the luxury and I do call it a luxury of being able to recycle. And I was super excited about it and it wasn't super easy for me to do where I first lived, but I had to take, you know, a couple of extra steps. But I was so excited and I took so much pride in doing it. And, you know, for many years, that was kind of my main eco-conscious act. I mean, obviously I didn't litter and that kind of thing, but in terms of going out of my way, you know, I was recycling and, um, you know, several years ago, I was bagging up uh, the recycling for um, my apartment. At the time I lived with several roommates in in Brooklyn. And, um, you know, I realized that there was four giant bags of trash and I thought, okay, this is great. This is not going to the landfill. But at the same time, this is four giant bags of trash that we were still responsible for from our actions. And I realized that at that point, it wasn't enough to just sort of keep going on my merry way and um, you know then just kind of like put things to the side. Okay, I'm recycling it. It's fine. I realized that I had to start looking at my actions and changing my habits and from there just kind of snowballed into you know learning about sustainability and different ways that I could implement that in my personal life and then eventually you know at the time I was in a very unfulfilled job and I just knew that I had to get up every day and do something that uh, I felt like had sort of intrinsic purpose for me and Um, So I, I, I turned one of my passions, which was sustainability, into Mama Eco, and it's gone through several iterations since I initially launched it and um the last and and i guess most recent over the past several years has been the consulting um you know initially when i launched mama eco it was focused mostly on individuals and helping them make better decisions in their day-to-day lives because you know the environmental issues that, that we're facing seem so big you know climate change plastic pollution in the ocean um, and i realized that people felt almost paralyzed um when it came to that and so I tried to break it down into daily actionable steps for people. And then through that journey, I, I saw that there was also a need to be helping businesses because, you know, businesses have a huge footprint. I mean, if you look at, you know, carbon emissions and and, and all of that stuff, you know, businesses, big corporations are, are the biggest um, emitters and biggest polluters. And so if we can start working with businesses, then, you know, the potential for impact is even, you know, bigger, I would say, Um but works obviously in conjunction with what individuals can do. So that's that's how I am today.
1: I think it's so important that you mention like what I think many people can relate to is like when you're looking at environmental sustainability and, and just changing some of the things that we're seeing happening you can feel so small. You can feel like there's so much to be done. Um, And I think that that's true for a lot of, a lot of causes, you know, and it's so important that I hear that you're not just helping people look at the bigger changes, but also like the daily decisions and like in your personal case, that bag of trash, you know, what can you do to reduce that bag of trash even in your home?
2: Yeah. And I I started realizing even with, you know, people in my life, like my husband and and certain friends of mine that who weren't particularly, you know, eco-conscious, you know, several years ago, but they saw, they saw the changes that I was making and how excited I was about them. And more importantly, how easy it was to do some of them. And they started doing it on their own. And I realized that in the, the instances early on in my journey, where I tried to like, not force people, but try to like, pressure them into making those decisions they always kind of retracted because no one wants to be forced to do anything right no one wants to be told what to do Mm -hmm. but um if we can show people how easy it is and how much of an impact it can have and just like how excited you can be about something then they come on board um so that's kind of my approach with my clients and with you know anyone in my life when I'm I'm trying to encourage them to do other things because I've found that to be the most successful way to get people on board
1: yeah, I totally can really, I, when I think back at the beginning of some of my journeys in life, like it never worked to try to get people to like, be like, you need to do this too. <laughs> and, and instead, you know, just realizing that me living by example and sharing some of what I'm doing, what I'm learning, like that can be the most inspiring way to get people on board because then they, they get on when they're ready and it feels like it's their decision. Um, I'm curious to know, like, I'll say for me, that was a mistake that I I learned the hard way of like, you can't um, necessarily like try to force people into doing what you want them to do. Um, but I'm curious to know from your perspective, if there were any mistakes that maybe you made, or if you could give example of like
2: one early on that you learned from. Certainly. Um, so I remember someone sharing, um, like a friend of a friend on, on Facebook um, about, you know, the Keurig machines, the ones where you have like the refill, of, not the refill, the single use pods of coffee. Yeah. Um, and they were saying um, something about, you know, it being, you know, the, the, the company was starting to recite, you know, offer recyclable pods. Um, and I remember getting really angry about it. And I remember saying like, you know, this is not a good solution. Like this stuff is just going to end up in a landfill. And even if it's recycled, it's not gonna be recycled, you know, more than once potentially. Um, and, And just my tone was was angry about it. And all I got back from that other person was anger, defensiveness. And it just made me realize that I can't influence someone's opinion if I come at them you know from an angry perspective in the same way you know in 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 the world today politics is such a heated conversation if you come at someone who has a different political opinion to you from a place of anger and trying to force your opinion on them you're just going to get that right back that energy that you put out is just going to come right back at you but if you can approach it from hey let's have a conversation about this um you know i would like to hear your opinion on this and i'm going to tell you mine and then we can take it or leave what we want then you at least come out having a conversation rather than an argument and you know i I've, I've had the experience one or two times again early on in in my sustainable journey where i had those instances with people where i tried to like play with fire and it just it just comes back at you so it it really you know coupling that experience with how i i observed when i just kind of put things out there with like my husband and other friends and that kind of thing and how well it was received and how much initiative they started to take when i just kind of like put things out there in a non-judgmental way i was like okay here are the different results if we took like two variables one's working and one's clearly not so that's obviously the approach that i should be taking moving forward
1: Right. That's such a powerful like lesson to learn because it can apply to so many areas of life and business and conversation is like where can I open the conversation instead of potentially like without realizing it shutting it down by like, people getting defensive. Totally. Um I when I think back at some of like my my mistakes as well. Like, well, first I went down the full blown rabbit hole and I was like consuming Baya Johnson of Zero Waste Home <laughs> and Lauren. Um, I can't think of her last name, but Trashes for Tossers. And I thought like, I'm going all in. I'm that person. <laughs> if I'm gonna do it, I'm all in. And I'm like, this is from the outside looking in, extreme. <laughs> yeah. Um and one of the things that I found is I started to like Before I landed on these two individuals, I I landed there because in the zero-waste concept because I fell into what happened before that, which was, I'm going to buy the eco-friendly thing. It's been marketed this way. It's been branded this way. I'm doing my part, right? Only to realize that (laughs) this shit is, is greenwashing. It's actually not half as eco-friendly if at all as it's claiming to be from my perspective um and yeah it's just contributing to more trash so I wanted to really dive in this conversation on like your thoughts of greenwashing and to some of our listeners they may have never heard of that before so could you explain what is greenwashing from your perspective
2: Absolutely. Um, So greenwashing is essentially when a business portrays themselves as eco-friendly or sustainable, uh, or green would be the more common term, when they're really not. And often what they do is they end up making claims that they can't back up, or more commonly they kind of use Symbols or colors that we associate with being green or specific words um, that consumers, when they when they see that or they or they read that they think, okay, that must be eco friendly. Um, And so they're kind of playing into what consumers know and what consumers don't know and using that to their advantage. And the thing I guess with with, you know, like greenwashing is they take advantage of what the average consumer doesn't know. And, um, you know, there's so many regulations with the Food and Drug Administration, environmental regulations. Um, so they know what consumers do and don't know. And they kind of lean into that to make themselves um, seem better or seem more eco-friendly or more conscious.
1: Right. It feels like, oh, like the eco's industry version of bro marketing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, that just doesn't. It doesn't feel good. And you don't know that it's happening to you until you get the education to know what it looks like. Um, You know, I I think we've all been like marketed in a way where it's like something about that didn't feel right, but we don't have like the words to put to why. And so I'm curious to know if like you could provide um, some examples of what greenwashing can look like.
2: Sure. So, um, I mean, uh, one that actually came to my, my attention in the past year was, um, was the label of grass fed, which you'll often see on like um, meat and that kind of thing in the store. Um, you know, you think grass fed and, and, and what do you think, right? As a consumer, what do you think? Oh, they were raised on a green pasture and they had lots of area to roam and, you know, they weren't in a, a feedlot or anything like that. But the truth is, you know, cattle can be fed grass for a portion of their lives and then be fed grain for a huge part of their lives and still be legally labeled grass fed. And another thing that people also assume with grass fed is that they're not being fed in a feedlot again. So they could be fed grass in a feedlot where they have absolutely nowhere to roam, no, you know, wiggle room or anything like that um and and the problem is is that it, the issue lies in the regulations right because um you know they're they're lobbyists and they're you know people um, in power who influence these regulations and so again they're sort of leading on what the cons- consumer does and doesn't know um to market themselves in a way that they think is going to be more profitable for them Um, so that's kind of like in the food industry. And then, you know, another big one that, that really gets me and it's more, you know, in the environmental, you know, frame of work is the term biodegradable.
0: Um, Mm. so I'm
2: sure you see that one all the time. I've seen, you know, single use plastic bags with the, with the word biodegradable on it. I've seen all kinds of stuff with the word biodegradable. And the issue with that is the word biodegradable doesn't have any legal, um, legal restrictions behind it. So anything that is biodegradable, um, I'm sorry, anything that eventually will break down, even if it takes 5,000 years, can be labeled as biodegradable. And so... Hold on, pause. (laughs) My mind is blown. (laughs) Yeah,
1: You mean to tell me it can take 5,000 years and you can still label it that way? Correct. Like, why?
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, you know, and again, it's leaning into what people think biodegradable is you know in 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 elementary school or whenever it was that we learned what the word biodegradable was you know we think natural we think it breaks down you know in 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 nature or in soil or whatever and and there's no legal restrictions behind that in terms of producing products and so the real word you want to look out for um when someone says biodegradable the real word you want to be looking out for is compostable and even that one is tricky there are legal regulations behind compostable but again i think that the regulations need to be refined because again when people think of the word compostable they think the same thing is biodegradable right it's going to naturally break down but yeah, the yeah. truth is when something is labeled compostable what it actually means is commercially compostable which means it has to be in a industrial or commercial composting facility in order to break down. So, you know, I'm sure you've seen, um, those compostable utensils, compostable, you know, dinnerware that you might get in a a sweet green or whatever. Um, there's even like
1: compostable bubble mailers now.
2: Yeah. Oh, I haven't even seen that. Actually, no, I have seen that. I have seen that, but, but some of those actually, I've seen ones that are like backyard compostable. Um, which means you can actually plant it in soil and it will break down in, in several months. Um, so you have to be really careful about what wording you're using. Um, and the term compostable, it does have legal regulations. You cannot just put it on anything you have to pay for a certification and that kind of thing. But, you know, the wording is really where, you know, companies can get away with a lot of stuff, unfortunately.
1: Mm. So as a consumer and I, I do want to get into the business piece too, because a lot of my listeners are business owners. But as a consumer, like how do you even begin to like decipher? Like this is able to be like broken down in my backyard versus I need to now like compile gobs of these things and then find a place to go take it? Like where do you even start to sort through all of that?
2: Yeah, so so you will find some things that will say. If it says biodegradable, it has to put a time frame on it. So I've things that say I've seen things that will say biodegradable, you know, when buried in soil within three to six months. So if the term biodegradable is used, um, it has to have a time frame on it. Um, you know, if it is compostable, there's a legal time frame with which it has to break down. But you know, what I always tell people is 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 do a little bit of research. And I'm not saying you have to, you know, go on a company's website. I mean, if you can do that, and if it's something that you're really interested in definitely go on a company's website and, and look into what they have. But even just looking at the labels and and reading what it is, even if it's, you know, a, a label on a piece of clothing um, or on, you know, some food or packaging that you buy, um, you know, look for the terms that they use and, and see if there are any sort of legal, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, specifications that support those things. So like the word natural, means absolutely nothing because there's no regulations behind it. The word, um, you know, as I said, biodegradable doesn't mean anything. So you you, want to be careful about what words they're using and and if they are backing it up with anything. And I always say that the more information that a company shares with you, the more authentic and legitimate they are, because if they're not doing all the right things, if they're not investing into making sure that they've done their due diligence, they're not going to tell you about it. But if they are doing you know, their due diligence, then they're going to let you know about it. One, because they want to communicate that to their consumers. But two, it's also beneficial from a marketing perspective. Um, so if they're doing the work, they're going to tell you about it. And what I always tell consumers, too, is you know, look for the how and the why instead of the what. So if they say we are eco-friendly, OK, great. How are you eco-friendly? What? Yeah. Why are you trying to be eco-friendly? What makes you eco-friendly? And and what are you using to measure that? Um, because I've seen so many examples with people throwing out terms, and then it's like, okay, but but how are you doing this? You're you're not telling me um, how I can, you know, how I can. What's the word I'm looking for? How I can participate in this and be educated about what you're doing instead of just mindlessly consuming.
1: Right. I love that. I love that because (laughs) it goes back to that value of like being transparent and sharing as well within your business. And that brings me back to like my business owner listeners. Um, You know, if they do have this value of wanting to be more sustainable, more eco-conscious, more eco-friendly within themselves, you know, how can they begin to integrate this into their business? Like what's, a really good place to start without it feeling
2: overwhelming to make sure that they're not
1: greenwashing.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I would say a first place, well, in terms of greenwashing, you know, really look at your messaging and make sure that you have done your due diligence with what you're saying and how you can back it up. Um, And I would also say in terms of, you know, doing your best as a business, Sitting down and maybe creating some sort of a uh, an inventory and audit of like the different things that you rely on for your business, whether it's you know your manufacturing products um, or even something as simple as your website you know there's there's ways that you can be more sustainable with all of these things um, but I think it really just comes down to as a business, are you authentically communicating to your consumers with transparency and if you can honestly answer that question with yes then you're likely not greenwashing, but just make sure that you're not putting out terms that you cannot back up with, with fact and proof and make sure that if a customer has a question for you, that you're not hiding behind, you know, layers of a lack of transparency. Um, you know, I've had conversations with businesses where as a consumer, I am trying to get more information on their product um, to make the most educated decision for myself. And I have had several instances, even with companies that do seem, quote unquote, eco-friendly, where they're hiding behind layers of proprietary, um, you know, they'll say, well, this information is proprietary or, you know, that's not um, something that we share with people. And, and, And I come back at them and I say, look, I'm not trying to like, compete with you or steal your suppliers. I just want to know that I'm making a good decision. If you can't give me that information, honestly, I don't want to buy from you.
1: Well, and I think it's important to note that, right? Because visibility is definitely a two-way street. So if you as a business, you know, want to attract people who care about the environment, then you also have to understand how they're thinking about things. They want they're a lot like you, Shannon, and they want to know the answers to those questions. And if you're not providing that up front without them even having to ask, then you've already given them another barrier to entry to hand over their money. They don't yes. know what they're investing in. Exactly. I, I'm definitely curious to know from you, like, because I, I heard you mention a few things that somebody who's just getting started may not really know, like, the nuances with like there's some legal implications on like what you have to say on your packaging if you have a, a product-based business are these some things that you support your clients with unlike knowing how to label
2: their things certainly yeah so i mean you know we would first figure out you know what it is what you know define what the product is and um you know what sort of how do we want to appeal to customers and, and what are the sort of characteristics of this product? So whether it is, you know, quote unquote, natural or whatever. OK, how can we communicate the thing that people associate on a values level with being natural? How can we communicate to the customer in a way that is, um, you know, regulated and at the end of the day, is it, is it true, you know? Um, And so we'll certainly see if there are specific um, certifications that we can get for my clients, um, you know, that will help them again, tell that message, communicate that message in a way that people can trust. Um, And, you know, you mentioned before values, right? And so at the end of the day, if a business can connect with its customers on a values-based level, you will have that customer for life because it's not just about buying a product. They want to, they want to support you and you represent something that they sort of feel on the inside. And so, um, you know, if you can connect with with your customers and the best way to do that is with, with transparency, then, you know, as a business, it's a home run.
1: I love that because <laughs> it also allows them to feel like they're, they're investing in the future. They want to see when they know exactly what you're doing and how it's eco-friendly, how it's sustainable instead of just this label. Um, and yeah, I, I'm also curious to know, like what are your thoughts for the person who maybe doesn't have a product, but they want to embark on this journey of kind of reevaluating like what can be more sustainable within their business? Like how do they begin to start to share some of those values publicly?
2: Yeah, I mean, again, I, I think doing some sort of like an inventory. So like, you know, even if you don't have a product based business, even if you're a service based business, you know, doing an inventory of, okay, what, okay. So I have a website, um, I have an office or a home office. Um, you know, I have freelancers. So thinking about all of the things that go into running my business, whether it's energy, you know, um, water usage, all of these different things, even in terms of like a service-based business if they're sending out, you know, gifts and that kind of things. like, what are all the different elements of my business? Um, The things that I do on a day-to-day business or the things that my team does? And how can we look at each of these things and see if there's an opportunity to be more sustainable, um, you know, within that system or process? And then how can we then communicate that to our customers? And, you know, sometimes that may be on like, a sustainability page on your website, or maybe it's just a little bit um, of a blurb on your about page or something like that, or within your social media marketing, but taking what happens on the inside that most customers don't see and then communicating it to those customers. And again, when you do that, even if your systems aren't perfect, you will connect with your customers. Something that you know often comes up with a lot of my clients is they are afraid to start talking about any of the the sustainability initiatives that they have because they're like well i don't i'm not 100 sustainable i don't have it all figured out yet and i don't want to put something out there and then people are gonna you know criticize me for that Um, but if you can communicate that journey with your customers and again give them specifics um on what you're doing and if you have goals for the future when you want to achieve those goals by Um, because they're going to hold you accountable, right? Because if you say, you know, we want our, um, entire operation to be carbon neutral by, you know, 2022, they're going to hold you to that. And they're going to, you know, so it gives you accountability, but it also gives you accountability with your customers. So, you know, just communicate that journey. Um, and a little bit goes a long way in terms of transparency and, and giving people information.
1: Right. I agree completely. And one of the other side effects of that, in my opinion, is that (laughs) you have the added benefit of inspiring other business owners and other individuals to make some of the changes that they see you making without like pointing your finger at them. Like you need to go do this because it's coming from the place of here's what we're doing. Here's what we're learning. Here's what we're experiencing. And you're just kind of sharing openly.
2: Yeah. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because that's something that comes up time and time again when I talk to clients or when I'm, I'm I'm speaking to potential clients and I'm trying to figure out what's their like why, what's their bottom why of why they're doing what they're doing. And the thing that comes up, whether it's in the food industry or the beauty industry over and over is I want to be a leader within my industry to show other people, other businesses how this can be done so that they start to think about it as well. So they're not even, you know, thinking about it just from a sustainability perspective, but they're thinking about how can I influence other people in my industry, even if they're my competitors, to show them that we should all be doing this.
1: Right, because we all have areas to grow, to learn, to improve. And I really do truly believe one of the best ways we can do that is publicly sharing where we're growing, where we're learning and where we're improving. So I really enjoy the fact that Mama Eco is like dedicated to helping their clients figure out those pieces and those nuances and like where to bring that into the limelight. Um, And you also have like a really cool resource. Um, Could you tell the listeners a little bit more about your five mistakes most eco-conscious businesses make?
2: Yeah. So this definitely, you know, when I was thinking about the idea for this, it was definitely coming from a place of, of, of greenwashing. Um, because a lot of people don't know when they're participating in it in terms of businesses I mean consumers as well but you know I really wanted to to help businesses see what are the opportunities that I have to be more sustainable um, and how can I make sure that I'm avoiding you know potentially misleading my, my my customers yeah so one of the mistakes that I put in there is is being afraid like I mentioned before being afraid to communicate what you're doing before it's perfect um, because the, there's so many different ways again that the businesses can be more sustainable and so I wanted to kind of like put it out there like hey are the things that you should be on high alert for so that you can start working towards making sure that you're not doing those mistakes and the thing is a lot of companies are unknowingly making these mistakes and it's hurting their brand it's hurting their image um, and so I just wanted to kind of give businesses as much as they can to make sure that They are educated and actively not participating in greenwashing.
1: Right. If someone is interested in learning more about that resource, um,
2: could you tell us a little bit about where to find it and what they'll find within it? Sure. So anyone who's interested in, in checking out the resource, um, you can head to mamaeco.com slash podcast um, and they can access that resource there. They can also find out about potentially working with me as well. So it's sort of a a place where they can find all of the the main business resources. And there are other ones that I have as well, but that one I have found to be um, most helpful to businesses.
1: Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And I know one of the things that we kind of see eye to eye on is 2020. Oh boy. Um, But it's definitely like bought up um, a lot of things that people felt like were nice to have. It's nice to have brand values. It's nice to be environmentally sustainable. It's nice to consider DEI, right? These are nice to do, but like, uh, I'll get to that tomorrow. (laughs) And I think that 2020 really showed us that all of these things that we thought were just nice to like, no, we can't run from anywhere. They're a must. And they're becoming more of a requirement, whether it's becoming a legal requirement, or whether it's like, (laughs) your consumers are going to slowly start to go elsewhere, your clients are going to slowly invest elsewhere if we don't do these things. And I know that you see environmental sustainability as being one of those things. Could you talk to us a little bit more about what you see shifting here and why yeah
2: i mean you know i think the the traditional thought process of of capitalism is it's short-term thinking and if we continue to just focus on short-term convenience short-term profitability we are going to have a very big long-term problem and so you know both with um you know, environmental sustainability and you even mentioned DEI. You know, we need to start thinking about the long term effects of these decisions that we're making in the short term because they're easy or because we don't have to think think about certain things. And it's gonna create a very large problem in the long term. And so, you know, I tell a lot of businesses, you know, it may be easy to, to, to cut corners and that kind of thing now, but you know, regulations are changing, governments are catching up. You have you know, certain places that are starting to ban single-use plastics. You have certain places that are putting in regulations. And as a business, you don't wanna be playing catch up. You want to be coming at this, you, know, you wanna get ahead of it and you wanna be able to do it on your own time. Well, not on your own time, but proactively rather than trying to scramble um, to fix it in the long run because in the same way that you know back in the day big companies could just sign a check once a year and that was their like corporate social responsibility quota and they could you know wipe their hands and they're done that's what's going to be sustainability moving forward it is becoming except, uh, expected that you have to have a stance on sustainability you have to be doing more than just making profit and so the question is do you want to play catch up Or do you want to get ahead of the game um, and be proactive about it and, you know, have more of a a steady progression towards that?
1: I love that. I love the idea of just being ahead of the curve. And you're so right. Like one of the things that changed here, um, I'm based in the Washington, D.C. area. That's something that many people can relate to is it went from nice to have reusable grocery bags to like, no, you're required to have reusable grocery bags. And if you don't, like the consumer now has to pay for the single use plastic bag per bag. And so I've seen so many small changes like that, that I'm like, hmm, okay, as business owners, where can we continue to kind of be ahead of things like this? And I'd like to say like, we should be doing it because we want the planet to be more green, but also like, how can we do it just so that we're not having to have that? Oh shit moment of like <laughs> now
2: this new law is in place and I have to reconfigure my whole business. Yeah. And it also gives you, you know, again, like a marketing opportunity. So let's take the, the plastic bag band that you just mentioned. So let's say someone owns a, uh, specialty store grocery store um, and they knew about the ban ahead of time and they were like okay let's get ahead of this let's go ahead and um, manufacture or source some reusable bags let's also get our logo on there let's put some branding on it and then we can offer it to our customers so in a way that's a regulation that has now given you an additional opportunity to market your business. On the other hand, if you are a business that was like, Oh, no, I, I don't care about that. I'm just going to deal with it when I have to. And then when the ban comes and they're scrambling to get any old, whatever reusable bag or, or whatever it is, then they're missing an opportunity there. And so some people can, can frame climate change environmental regulations as a bad thing. I see it as an opportunity because innovation is going to come from it and there are marketing opportunities that you can position yourself with that are beneficial to everyone.
1: Such a beautiful example because we've all seen like certain bags everyone has (laughs) and it's like those were the companies that hopped on like really quickly and really early in this process. Waiting means that like now I am 30 reusable bags later. I don't need your bag. (laughs) Exactly. Is there anything else that you want to share with
2: us today? I mean, I would just say, you know, as both a business and a consumer is just, you know, have your eyes wide open and um, try to make the best decisions that you can with what you have. You know, not everyone has access to the same things. Not every business has, you know, certain, you know, budget allotments, like do what you can with what you have and communicate that in the most transparent way. And that's the best thing that you can do.
1: I love it. I was going to ask you if there was one thing people could do after listening to this episode, what were you told them to do? But I think that <laughs> <laughs> you just, you just handled that there for us. Thank you so much, Shannon. <laughs>
2: Thank you.
1: For our listeners,
2: if they'd love to keep in touch, can you remind them one more time where they can find you online? Yeah, so my website is mamaeco.com, and that's M A M A E C O.com. And then you can also find me on Instagram on a regular basis, and I'm at mama.eco. Uh, also on Facebook, Pinterest, uh, you can find me just about on all the platforms. But I'm most commonly on Instagram, and I do put out um, blog posts on a regular to educate both businesses and consumers on how they can make better decisions. And it's it's always very um, simple and actionable. So it's not a place that's going to overwhelm you. It's going to be like, oh, that's super easy. I could do that. Um, so. Yeah, if, if that's an interest of yours, then, you know, head on over there and you can take a breath of of fresh air and have some peace of mind.
1: Right. I'm going to say firsthand as someone who is checking out your Instagram, you have really good tips over there. I've been buying the I think it's called David's toothpaste that comes in the metal tube for a while. Yeah. And you recently posted um, a way to get like more out of the tube because a little key that comes with it. Is like not the most efficient way to get all of that out of there.
2: <laughs> no, it's it's not, and it's yeah, it's a perfect example of like, even in simple things like that, like there's so much opportunity for innovation just within packaging. Um, so yeah, I I whipped out an old uh, paint roller, um, a tube roller. I'm sorry from my days back in painting when I was you know like a full time artist, and uh, that baby got the job done. It got every ounce of toothpaste out of that tube.
1: i love it definitely head on over check out shannon and a spoiler alert that you'll also be able to hear her on our sister podcast pause on the play we'll be diving into some other areas of sustainability with her there so make sure you stay tuned on pause on the play for that thank you so much shannon thanks
2: so much india it's been a pleasure
1: sustainability is such a big and broad topic And it's why I am so thrilled that we've dedicated the entire month of February and pause on the Play the Community to sustainability. There's so many areas to dive into from making sure that your offers are created in your business in a way that is sustainable for you and your team to show up for, making sure that your pricing is done in a way to make sure that you have created ongoing sustainable revenue in your business. And then we also have the beautiful conversation that we had here today of environmental sustainability as well. And so we also have a special treat for you. We actually hired Shannon to come into our community and create a custom training for pause and the play community members. Shannon is going to be diving into some really good stuff because I truly do believe that you don't have to be an expert in sustainability in order to have a sustainable business. So if you decide to join pause in the Play today or tomorrow or next month, Shannon's training will be evergreen living in the community where you can visit it, revisit it, Fast forward, rewind it, pause it, so that you can take your notes and actually take actions on what you're learning. And Shannon's going to be diving into the top 10 mistakes that businesses make when trying to become more sustainable. And she's also going to be sharing with you what you can do instead of making those mistakes so that you can actually walk away with tangible actions to take a little at a time to become more sustainable day by day. Go on and head over to pauseontheplay.com community and fill out your application today so you can get in on that training and on this juicy conversation happening in the community right now. Thank you so much for listening today, and I will see you on the next episode.